Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts podcast brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we are going to dive deep into the words that PMMs use. And we're starting with messaging. I think of messaging as the final result of your narrative and positioning work. It's the actual words that end up on the website and what comes out of the sales rep's mouth. It's the most visible aspect of our work, names, taglines, headlines, you name it. Uh, And while PMMs aren't hardcore copywriters necessarily, I would classify us all as writers. So being able to develop great messaging is really, really core to the role and to the function of product marketing. Uh, But it's really challenging. You need to develop certain skills to get good at it. You have to learn how to sell your messaging. You need to build a consistent process. You have to figure out how to test it. Uh, And most people end up writing a lot of bad messaging before they can start writing good messaging. This is really what has happened to me over the years. But what we're going to do today is break all of that down and hopefully really jump you forward a few steps so that you can really start to uh, perfect your craft here when it comes to messaging. To help, I've got a product marketing expert. Kevin Garcia is the head of product marketing at Segment where he oversees product, uh, partner, and customer marketing. Segment is an absolutely fascinating product with a really, really stellar team. I've worked with a few of the uh, folks who work at at Segment, and they are awesome. Uh, They're really the top solution in the CDP space, and Kevin and his team are making sure that they stay there by building a best-in-class go-to-market. What I think is most interesting about Kevin is really how he thinks about messaging. He takes this really, really research-driven approach that I've learned a lot from in a short time, and I think you will too. Kevin, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. All right. How did you uh, originally get into product marketing, Kevin? My background in product marketing is fairly similar to a lot of other folks, which is to say I didn't start in product marketing when I first uh, entered tech. I started as a product manager at a small startup company and was given sort of the opportunity to grow as the company scaled. And in developing, you know, some of the most important parts of a launch or most important parts of our new products, I was so enamored with developing not just the actual product and the nuts and bolts, but the story and the message and the how and why of who we were going after. And so I was lucky to sort of springboard that job into a product marketing role and haven't looked back ever since. Awesome. Yeah, that's, you know, I think, um, Product management is really, really interesting. And a lot of people ask me if I've done it or I'm interested in it. And um, I am interested in it. It's very cool. But I think product marketing is more fun. You know, it's just like the the craft and uh, the work has always been way more interesting to me. Yeah, I feel very similar. I think, you know, they are complementary roles. And it's so, you know, definitively exciting to be part of the most exciting part of the process of building a product, which to me is the why, the what, and the who. And I think being a product marketer gives you all those pieces without necessarily having to jump into Jira and sprints and, uh, you know, a lot of the nuts and bolts that might be super fun for some folks, but weren't exactly my favorite part of the role. Exactly. That's totally how I feel about it too. Um, yeah, we get to, we, we're still in that process, but you know, on the kind of the more creative go-to-market marketing side of it. Um, Yeah, I love working with product managers. It's really exciting when they bring something new, but exactly, I'm not spending my day in Jira or thinking about APIs and that sort of thing, which is better for me. So So we're going to talk about messaging today. And I think a a good place to start is sort of, um, you know, the skills you need to develop 
uh, to get good at messaging. What are the skills that you think as a product marketer you need to develop before you can really uh, start to master messaging? What I found is that, you know, messaging for different companies, messaging for different products can be sort of multifaceted. And at the end of the day, what I found consistently time and time again is that PMMs tend to have really strong skills across three areas. The first is being a really good researcher. I think the best stories and the best messaging and the best words come from deeply understanding the situation of who you're talking to, right? So regardless of whether I am selling a car or I am selling P2P software, at the end of the day, I want to be able to have the person who's listening to that message really resonate with it. And I found that it's almost impossible to do that just by having nice words or just by having uh, really, you know, carefully crafted statements. It has to come from a place of knowledge. And so being able to take a step back and say, I don't know these people, I need to really learn about them and their circumstances is a critical part of getting messaging right. I think the second is, um, you know, the storyteller gene or the ability to tell a really good story. I think oftentimes people are looking at a story and try to jump to the end, right? But a good message, good messaging and a good product marketer can sort of help you sit in the pain, help you understand why something's an issue uh, before jumping to a conclusion, right? And so I think the best PMMs tend to be really good storytellers. They tend to be uh, dynamic and understand that you don't just jump to the conclusion. You kind of have to walk people through from where they're at to where you want them to go. And the last piece is uh, being a really good project manager. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, writing is a creative process, but in the business context, it can often be aligned to big launches, big moments, big initiatives, and those can't really wait for you to have the creative, you know, sparks fly. And so being able to take the work that you're doing creatively and apply it to a project program or uh, product launch is critical because you need to be able to not just tell a good story, but tell a good story when the time is right. And so I found that those tend to be some of the key ingredients of good messaging from a PMM. Really interesting way to think about it. Yeah. The, you know, I think storytelling and being strong there is, well, obviously res would resonate with a lot of people um, and even research too, but actually your point around project management is something that I don't think a lot of people might think about when they're thinking about how do they get good at messaging. Uh, but I really, really agree. Project management is not one of my own strengths. Like it's something that I've had to learn and get good at. Um, and I tr I've tried to kind of push it away in my uh, product marketing career, you know, say like, okay, you know, there's, there's someone else who's probably better at this, who could take this on. Um, but, you know, recently, just over the last few years, I've just kind of embraced it and said like, well, this is, you know, this is really part of it. We really have to get good at this and figure this out. Uh, and I think it just makes everything, it makes, it does make your messaging better. It makes your campaigns better. Um, it's super critical to the role, even if you're not good at it, to really focus on that and kind of build it into your process is really, really important. So I love that point. Yeah, of course. I, I think every product marketer sort of struggles with one side of that it's very hard to find someone who's really great across a lot of different uh, spectrums, right? Otherwise, you know, uh, we'd all be super, super uh, lucky to have every skill set available. Right. I think, you know, on, on my end, the reason I think project management is so important is because, uh, you know, unlike a truly 100% creative role, this role does have business outcomes that you want to drive and business initiatives that you want to move forward. And 
unfortunately, the business won't wait for you to find that creative spark. And so um, I found that like tying your writing process into something that can really work for the timeline you're allotted has helped me be more successful versus just, you know, aiming for the perfect words without having any business context involved. Yeah, I would agree. I totally agree with that too. And I think that another thing I've learned over the years is that, you know, while it is a, a creative role and you're doing a lot of writing, a lot of it is also just kind of pushing the rest of the organization, uh, you know, to, to feel good about the messaging that you've created, whether it's a name or a tagline or, uh, you know, the copy on a website, like if the product team and leadership feel great about it and it resonates and is good, um, that's really what's most important is that there's this sort of like momentum around it. And that's, I think, project management ties into that. Is that something you've seen too, that, you know, um, you end up being kind of this driving force behind alignment as a product marketer? At the end of the day, you're working on something that's so important to the company. And when you think about the name or the tagline or the words behind a product, at the end of the day, that can make or break the success of the business. You can see companies like Apple who have done such a good job of bringing to life products that have innovative you know, capabilities and some that don't have innovative capabilities, but their messaging is so rich and so dynamic um, and so inspiring. And so I think that for every individual PMM, while not all of us get to launch the next iPhone, you know, we are working on something that the executive team, that the AEs, that the rest of the marketing team really care about. Because at the end of the day, you're giving them the ingredients of part of their work, right? The AE has to sit on the phone and talk about the stories that you've developed with the words that you've used as a reference point. And if it doesn't resonate with them, if they can't believe in it, then it's really hard for them to champion it, right? And so I found that, you know, that skill set of not just developing great messaging, but also seeing it through across the finish line um, is the only way it actually sticks because you want this to become part of their language and part of their belief system is the words, uh, you know, the words don't have to be exactly right, but they do have to really make an impact in the team before they make an impact across the, you know, the broader ecosystem that you serve. And so um, I've definitely been a huge proponent of PMMs championing their messaging and having internal momentum built as part of any good uh, messaging launch. Yeah, I totally agree. And that, I think your point around making sure that they stick is, is what is really important too. I've seen lots of really great stories and messaging and product marketing work done that sort of, you know, gets rolled out and then goes to die on a wiki or in Google Docs somewhere and people forget about, uh, but not, not the, uh, the projects that have that momentum and have that buy-in and alignment behind them. So I think uh, that's really good advice. All right. So uh, the one I'd love to dig in, maybe we could dig into all three of those aspects, but uh, when it comes to research, you know, I think that um, your approach is really interesting and unique. So what is your process for developing messaging from that, from that, in that research phase? Yeah, of course. Um, So I think you need to right size the research to the messaging that you're developing, right? So a lot of times, um, you know, I have not yet met a person or a company or a CEO that didn't say, well, I'd love to have our messaging checked in with customers, right? What are our customers saying? Um, and what I find most often is that people get really overwhelmed by that sentiment or overwhelmed by the idea of researching first because, you know, they're saying I have a tight timeline. I can't really do this or, or it's very difficult for me to get in touch with people. I don't know who to talk to, you know, the list abounds, right? And so 
my approach is fairly pragmatic, which is to say, you know, the level of messaging that you're working on has different levels of risk for the business. And you should be aligning the rigor with which you test your messaging based on how important that messaging is to the business. So for example, if you're coming up with your company's tagline and the company's uh, you know, core mission statement and values, you wanna be spending a lot of time to make sure you get that right because it's fairly difficult to roll those things back. They tend to make their way into a lot of your marketing materials and a lot of your sales materials. Um, they even get used in recruiting when they're re very effective. And so those sort of things you don't want to really um, put out in, in iterative forms. You tend to want to really um, sort of test and test and learn early so that you can get something close to final or as close to final as you can get um, when you truly launch it. But for things like product feature launches, where you're not necessarily changing the definition or the full scope of the product, but you might be enhancing one of its use cases, you might be fixing a problem that a lot of folks wanted, you may not need to get so deep in the you know, months long user research where you're doing qualitative and quantitative research. You can go as simple as just having a few customers that you talk to, a few internal um, alignment meetings, and I think the whole point of this is, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, you want to get to the point where you have conviction, not about the words, because the words very often are subjective, right? There's always a different way to phrase something, but you want to get really clear on your idea. You want to get really clear that the idea that these words are framed around and the audience that they're focused on are super, super crisp, clear, and understood. And when you do that, you can have a lot more conviction around your messaging, whether it's describing a feature or whether it's describing your company's full platform. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's really well said and, and sort of a, um, a good device for people to think about how much research to do when you kind of balance it with, you know, the, um, how, how uh, the, the risk and how important it is to get it right, which makes a lot of sense to us. I think we've, we, there was a, you know, a team at HubSpot that was working through, some really important words recently and like, you know, now uh, how those words translate globally was, was super important. And there was a lot of work done around that and um, whether they translate into regional languages or not. And it was just really interesting to see how that process kind of changed the approach. Um, but yes, that's a very good device. So I'd love to know um, what tools, like what research tools do you put to use if something is really important where you're trying to figure this out, right? You know, so at the, maybe at the very basic level, right? You can get on the phone with customers. Um, but what else are you doing? Are you doing survey or do you have specific tools? How do you think about that? Yeah, of course. Um, again, slightly depends on what the, um, you know, what the insight is that I'm looking for, right? The closer you are to your target of, you know, you think you're a few steps away from getting this messaging really locked, the more valuable these sort of um, really specific customer level conversations matter, right? So the, you know, when you think about customer interviews, when you're on the phone with them, learning about their use case and their, um, you know, their, who they are, what they do, why it matters is super important and can give you very directional feedback. But at the earliest stages, it can also be much more helpful to get sort of an aggregate view where you're understanding across many people like them, how they interact, what they use, how they use it, why it matters. And the closer you get to sort of this final product of messaging, 
the more it becomes super valuable to have one person kind of come in and tell you like, ah, that's not really working for me. Or like, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I would phrase it a little bit more like this. Um, so my, my perspective, and again, this is a very pragmatic approach. The reality is that you can do basically all the research you want on any messaging that you want. Um, but the way that I found that makes it a little easier is when I'm still trying to find my target, if, you know, if I'm trying to find a tree in a forest, I'm most likely going to go first with, uh, you know, a high volume quantitative approach of either through surveys or looking at internal data or, um, you know, looking through our customer success tool, you know, can I find, you know, any specific patterns or specific, um, you know, insights that can help point me in the right direction. And the deeper I go in, the more likely I am to want to talk to a customer to deeply understand their language and their usage. Once I've sort of at least developed my own, um, you know, guardrails around what I'm trying to say. So for me, it's a lot about, you know, use surveys and use, um, you know, sort of these scaled approaches to help point you in the right direction. But they're also, you know, there's also a lot of use for just talking to people and getting a read for what, what they like and what they don't like, what they understand and what they don't understand. Um, you know, but the inverse is also true. I know many, many, many teams that do surveys to sort of test which of these four taglines works the best for you. And people will, you know, sort of stack rank them. What I found is that inevitably you're sort of leaving it up to, uh, you know, leaving it up to the chance of, you like the version that is most popularly picked. Um, and often what I find is that right when you're kind of deciding on the last few moments, it's much better to have a customer's perspective in mind so you can live and breathe and make a decision that's informed, but maybe not 100% up to uh, external factors. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, I think um, uh, sort of whittling it down and trying to find the, the tree in the forest is good. And um, one thing I think that you've said that's interesting is just that it helps you to not have any experience in the, in the space where you're developing messaging. Can you tell me more about what you mean by that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am a product marketer who has never worked at a tech company that sells to product marketers. I've worked at companies that are focused on HR, customer success, advertising, and now at Segment, uh, you know, data infrastructure, engineering, product management. Um, but I've never actually lived and breathed the role that I'm selling to. And so for me, that's been hugely, hugely impactful because, you know, I, like many others, have had to start from ground zero, right? I didn't have the answer going in of this is what I've been looking for when I was looking for the product. That's how I'll write it. Um, and I think what that did is it set me up to have my baseline be, I don't know. And that's okay. And I think that kind of brings a really good research perspective to the table where you can say, okay, well, what don't I know? How can I find out? And who do I need to talk to to really build conviction around what, you know, what we're building, why we're building it? And I think that practice of coming into the scenario, fully, fully understanding that you have no idea how these people's lives work. Um, gives you a lot of empathy because it forces you to really deeply understand them before you think that you have the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that empathy um, and that kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, just taking that really ground floor approach and beginner's mind to, 
this is really important. I'm working on our marketing hub at HubSpot right now, which means I'm a marketer marketing marketing software to marketers. So uh, for me right now, I'm not in that beginner's mindset, but uh, I have worked on a number of different products that have a number of different audiences at HubSpot. And I think it's helpful for me. Um, it's super helpful to just be empathetic and to be able to kind of put yourself in that person's shoes and just, yeah, take that beginner's mindset and really do a lot of research. Um, which, uh, so I think, I just think that's wonderful advice. Um, so let's talk about when you, you know, when, if you're, maybe if you're looking at, um, other product marketing or other marketing in general, what are some messaging mistakes some common messaging mistakes that you see, um, marketers make? Oh yeah. There's so much going on, um, in the world of marketing. I think, you know, realistically there's sort of, um, you know, there's no one's ever going to be fully happy with your messaging. I think unless, you know, you're, you're uh, Disneyland with happiest place on earth or others, you're not really going to come up with something that everyone's just like, wow, this is perfect. And it totally makes sense. And I think there are sort of a few key reasons why that's really, really good. I think the first is that a lot of times people make the mistake of trying to talk to everyone, right? At the end of the day, I can really, really understand on a practical level that, you know, firefighters and school teachers and, uh, you know, orthopedic surgeons aren't trying to buy segment. Mm -hmm. So why am I trying to make the segment messaging be so resonant with everyone who ever read, you know, the, a word that comes out on our website? It's, but it's very common. It's very common to feel this sort of pull to try to talk to every possible person who could be impacted by data, which is everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very natural reaction, um, you know, as a marketer and as a person to try to make it as applicable as possible to everyone. But I think what ends up happening for almost 100% of the time is that if you're talking to everyone, no one's going to fall in love with it it's almost impossible for you to develop a deep, meaningful relationship and a resonant message unless you're opinionated about who is actually supposed to receive that message. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the reason why so many, you know, niche publications, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, small magazines online, small uh, subscription uh, channels on YouTube, like it's the reason that these things exist is because people are looking for their people and their message and their ideas. And they want to hear from someone who's heavily opinionated about that one specific thing in a way that totally resonates with them. And so I feel like oftentimes you get um, a lot of marketers who are saying, you know, I want to be able to speak to, you know, the CEO at a Fortune 500. And I want to be able to speak to a, uh, you know, a startup, you know, founder, at a, you know, a pre-seed company. And the reality is that you ultimately end up not really satisfying either of their needs um, throughout your, you know, whether it be your website or whether it be an ebook or whatever it might be. And so um, I find that that's a very common mistake is this idea that you can really satisfy everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, the, with how crowded and how hard it is to differentiate and, and uh, if you have messaging like that, that's kind of soft or unopinionated or just like murky like that, uh, it just really does not do the job that it's intended to. So, um, yeah, I see that too a lot. And I think that example, especially around like the, you know, the size of your target market or the industry um, is something that a lot of people make and the, your target market will like notice it as well. I think, you know, if you're 
sometimes it's good to say who you're not for or have something that's so opinionated that it might make some people like, you know, it might turn some people off. And that's really a good thing because um, it just means you're kind of laser focused on your, on your right audience. So um, yeah, is that part of, I mean, is that, does that come through in the research process too? Is that kind of part of narrowing in on that audience? Um, what happens in research? Yeah, of course. I think, um, you know, I have, talk to a lot of PMMs and a very common question that comes up is, you know, my CEO wants our messaging to work with everybody. They want it to fit for every mm-hmm. case. Um, and I think the only real way to push forward is not to sort of come at it from a very subjective place like they are, right? And say, no, our messaging needs to be opinionated for this group um, and it should be this way because the next question is very obvious. Why them? Why, why this messaging? I think you need to, um, you know, over time develop a strong relationship with a customer. And that relationship really does come through research, right? Because it's the notion of understanding who they are and having these sort of real customer relationships that are swimming in your head as you're thinking about the messaging and who you should focus on. And also some of the data, right? You need to be able to know and to be a champion for who actually sees success with your product. Who are the people that end up buying your product? Who are the people that use your product? These could all be different people. And, you know, at Segment, that is the case. They are mm-hmm. different people. Um, and I think, you know, what, what I find is that without this sort of research backing and taking people along with you on the journey of how you arrived at your conclusion, you very often get caught in the trap of, well, your idea is not that much better than mine or not much right. more supported than mine. So let's just keep it generic. Um, and, you know, over time, I think what ends up happening is, um, you know, people lose touch with their customer or don't have that close connectivity to the customer insights. And they end up just kind of settling for, okay, I'll just go with what the executive team says is the, is the motion. And that's kind of it. If my CEO approves it, I will uh, give it the thumbs up and ship, you know, ship it. Yeah, that is the battle. I uh, think that's spot on. I think, you know, and, and it helps um, as a product marketer, you know, and have a, have a lot of conviction, um, and an opinion as well, uh, and you to be able to sell it. So, so that kind of brings me to my next point. One of my, one of the my favorite questions that you got on your AMA on Sharebird was um, everybody in this person's company, you know, has an opinion about messaging, which I'm sure is every company. So, how do you defend the messaging that you you've created, or really, how do you do what you're just talking about? Really, sell it and and win buy-in when you've created something new. Yeah, of course. So I'll start with a sort of big picture and then I promise I'll jump into very tactical on how I've done this before. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, on, on the big picture front, you're never going to please everybody. So you shouldn't set that as your target, right? You're setting yourself up for failure. If you think that the head of sales, the head of product, the head of, um, you know, product marketing and your CEO are all going to hear what you say, stand up and give you a standing ovation. <laughs> it's just very rare for that to happen. And so you know, at, at the core of my answer is you need to pick and prioritize whose voices matter, whose voices are going to carry with me and help me champion this and prove that this is resonant work over the long haul, right? Um, I've worked at companies before where that person wasn't the CEO. It was actually the head of product. I've worked at companies before where it was the head of sales. Um, And I think the important part here is identifying and really trusting that you can focus your energy on deeply building context and confidence with a few people versus trying to, um, you know, sort of solve everyone's problems and make everyone happy. 
I promise you, as someone who's tried and failed at that a million times, it just can't happen. Um, and so, you know, when you think about, okay, how do I do it on the practical level? How do I actually get this done? Um, it really starts with two things. The first is identifying who has influence at the company, right? Who is going to help you champion this and be able to move it forward? And, you know, you have to be really realistic with yourself. This person has to be able to help you mobilize and defend this. And so think about it from your perspective. If you were going to champion and defend and really go to bat for someone's work, you want to know it's well-researched, it's well-informed, it's, you know, intentional, it isn't full of mistakes and, you know, and, and errors. And so you owe it to your internal champions to do that research that I was mentioning before so that you can build conviction. I've had to, um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, rebrand quite a few companies in my time. Um, and I can tell you that the, uh, the most successful opportunity I ever had was one in which I had really deeply learned our customer base, learned who we were right for, learned where there was tons of market opportunity. And I brought that to the table with the messaging that I had suggested that was tested and vetted and understood by customers. And that made it really easy for my champion to say like, yes, let's go, let's run through this. And we slowly built momentum for, um, you know, the messaging and the, the full playbook across along the way. Right. So it's mm -hmm. a crawl before you run scenario with building internal consensus. It's finding who's going to help you really make this uh, and motivate this. I've also found that it literally never hurts to have a few folks who are frontline in the motion people who are validating or at least testing with you. When I was updating some of segments messaging, I worked with one of our SDRs um, yep. to test some of the messaging in our outbound sequences. This is in, on top of testing with a few other areas and talking to customers, but this was incredibly validating for the head of sales to see, oh, our outbound numbers actually look really great with this messaging. It looks better than it was before. I feel fairly confident with just this small data point. I didn't go through and you know test in every in every market across everything. I was just showing directionally it's not going to tank us. So let's move forward. And I think you know taking those sort of tactical steps to build champions along the way is the more um, pragmatic way to get your your messaging out the door. Yeah. No, that's really great advice. And I think I'm hearing three things, which is you know find that champion and really make sure that, you know, they believe in you and feel good about it and are going to go to, you know, going to back you up and potentially go to, go to bat for you on this. Um, and really do that by building this really bulletproof sort of, uh, research backed kind of data backed, um, case for it. I think, I think that's something too that I've seen that's very effective, right? Where it's, you can be talking about this messaging that is super subjective, um, but the more that you can kind of make it this bulletproof case with this data and this research to back it up, it does provide that confidence. Uh, and then getting it out there into the real world, working with sales teams, working with CS teams and like, you know, having customers see it. And that's amazing that if you can have it, you know, you can show some of the data that it's impacted. Um, I think all, I think those three points are really, really good. And, and also I've found that just, you know, sometimes you can say something and you can, you can pitch the messaging really, really well. Um, but it's not until, uh, you know, the executive team sees 
the customer feedback to it or partner feedback to it. And maybe it's just a quote or maybe it's just a reaction. Um, even if it's just some random person that they don't, that they don't know, they just know it's a customer that can be really, really powerful, um, in the process. Yeah. 100%. The best advocate for any messaging will always be a customer who saw it, believed in it, understood it right there. There's literally no one better. I promise you, no matter how much time you spent building, this bulletproof pitch that's full of animated slides and you know <laughs> intro music. The, the you know the best thing you can do is just show. Look, here's the kind of customer that we said we want to target, and here's their reaction to the messaging. This works, and I think it bolsters a lot more confidence than anything you could provide um, yourself. Absolutely. Uh, well, Kevin, I think this is uh, this is really really good advice. I, I can tell that you've got the um, you know the the scars and experience to prove it. Uh, going in here and kind of uh, learning over the years with rebrands and pitching messaging. So I really hope that uh, people are able to learn from you and kind of jump forward here. Um, my last question for you is just you know what's your outlook on the career of product marketing? Do you think product marketing is generally like a, a good place to be or get into right now? Yeah, of course. Um, you know. From a career-defining perspective, I think there was nothing better for anyone in their early career than uh, being a product marketer. I think it is one of the few roles in a company that has so much impact and, and just direct con contribution to how the company thinks and what the company does and how the company talks and who the company is. I think uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a job that is uh, you know more exciting and more dynamic. I have not done the same thing in a very long time, same. day by day. Um, and I think the skill sets that you build, you know, this sort of the thing I talked about earlier, this researcher, storyteller, project manager mentality can really carry you forward into almost any other career path, right? The same things that make PMMs amazing PMMs are the same skill sets that make amazing entrepreneurs and amazing GMs and amazing, amazing CEOs. You know, I think the, these skill sets in their raw form are completely adaptable to so many different use cases. So I'm a big believer. I think that, you know, you, there's very, very few roles where you get to be analytical one day, creative the other, and, uh, you know, a marketing expert or project manager on the other side. I think it's a super fascinating role. And I think you see that actually play out um, across companies where product marketing is a pretty is both a fast growing job in terms of how many companies are looking for one, um, but also it's a pretty stable job. It's not a job that you immediately think about when you're thinking about, um, you know, how do I streamline the team? It's a role that's fairly certain and stable at a company because they realize the value of this person doesn't just bring words to life, they bring action and initiatives and projects to life. And um, it's incredibly valuable. And so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of product marketing. I think it has a bright future ahead of it. Awesome. Me too. I think you said it really well. I mean, I, I agree with you. I love how much you can learn in this role and how cross-functional it is. And um, you're totally right. You know, PMMs get there. I think they become very strategic at the company. And when there's a project that maybe needs someone to bring momentum to it and focus and just to get it done, like they're you know, choosing a PMM to jump in and lead that. Um, I see that all the time uh, in my work. Um, Kevin, was there anything that um, you want to tell people about or is there any place that people can find, find you to connect with you? Yeah, I encourage everyone to look me up on LinkedIn or look me up on Twitter. 
my tweets are unfortunately mostly about McDonald's. Uh, but <laughs> if you would like to uh, reach out, please. I don't know everything. I won't pretend to know everything, but I can hopefully at least give you my honest feedback or if not point you to someone much smarter than me. Awesome. Well, next time you come on the show, we can, uh, we'll do half an hour on like uh, chicken nuggets or something like that. Um, That's my dream. <laughs> but until then, uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, Kevin. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. It's all.